0: Welcome, welcome, everyone, to The Dark Parts. We are finally back. This is a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today, as always, is the lovely queen of Scream, Daphne. Daphne, how you doing? I'm nervous. You're nervous? (laughs) I don't know why. I'm nervous
1: to be back. I'm really excited. Hello, everybody. We left you on such a... Like, we ghosted you a year and a half ago. Yeah,
0: so sorry that we ghosted you. So
1: sorry about that. We just... Up and left, didn't explain it. Um, The reason why we stopped is just because we were kind of overwhelmed. We were, you know, we have our other show going west and, We love doing the dark parts. We were finally able to bring it back, and we are so excited and have a ton of spooky stories coming up for you guys.
0: Yes, I am so happy that we're back, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are happy too, since we got a lot of requests to bring back the dark parts. Yes,
1: thank you, everybody, who has shown so much interest and been so lovely about us bringing the show back. We couldn't be happier.
0: All right, guys, well, let's get into today's episode. Have you ever heard strange noises and wondered if they were coming from inside your walls? Oftentimes, you may be right. About 14.8 million people report rodents inside their walls each year. But what if the sounds just can't be explained away with a simple answer? What if you hire pest control and they tell you that they've checked everything out and that you may need to hire a ghost hunter or a priest instead? Well, the stories we have for you today may make you second-guess those sounds, so put on some Pink Floyd and find a spot on the floor, not too close to the wall, as we take you on an exploration of the many terrors that live inside those hollow shells in the search to figure out who or what has been giving you those fiberglass-filled drywall nightmares in today's episode that we call In the Walls.
1: We've talked about scenarios like this before in our Going West episode of Daniel LaPlante, who was a 15-year-old boy who lived inside of a family's walls back in 1987 and terrorized them for months. If you want to learn more about that story, by the way, check out episode number 11 of Going West. But let's talk about another family who, after deciding to remodel a portion of their home in Auburn, Pennsylvania came across something very disturbing. The Bretzius family had finally found their dream home back in 2011 and were excited about the prospect of making it their own. The home was more than a century old and really needed some work, especially in their son's room. After a short time of living in the home, the family began to notice a nauseating smell that bellowed through the entire house. Mold was growing on the walls and making the family sick, so it was their goal to find out what exactly was going on, and soon enough,
0: they did. They began to tear down the walls as they suspected that that was where the nasty stench was coming from, and inside, they found something they definitely did not expect. The walls contained what looked like spices and other random objects like candles, but that wasn't all. They also found a multitude of dead animal carcasses wrapped carefully in newspapers that dated back to the 1930s and 1940s. Now, this was obviously not a normal thing, and having spent so much of their savings acquiring this house, they had to get to the bottom of why their new house's walls were packed with dead animals. God, could you imagine... Oh, I can't even imagine the smell. Just Probably what a crazy thing like to shit. find, though. Yeah, a- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just dead animals all over in the walls. So they reached out to an expert on a cold activity who explained that the reasoning for this odd occurrence was most likely a previous owner who had been practicing what is known as Dutch magic, a process that would help cure ailments, but it's also commonly known as powwowing. After all these gruesome discoveries, the family eventually decided to tear down the home and start fresh, as they were unsure if they had retrieved all the animal carcasses from the property. Kind of sounds like they made the best choice here.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's not just dead animals or even live ones that you'll find inside the walls. Such was the case for investigators in New York. So an elderly man living in Poughkeepsie, New York had passed away in 2013 and a contractor was tasked with cleaning out the vacant home and just getting it ready for resale. But as he was cleaning a portion of the basement, he noticed something that just seemed odd to him. A crease in the wall that didn't look like it should have been there. Upon further inspection, he realized that what he was looking at was a false wall, as if it was built to hide something, and sure enough, there was something to hide behind that wall. The contractor discovered a plastic barrel and curiously opened it to find the skeletal remains of a person with rope tied around their wrists. The police were called immediately, of course, and the remains were sent to a medical facility for examination, and through dental records, the medical examiner was able to identify who the remains belonged to. A 55-year-old former elementary school teacher named Joanne Nichols, who had been missing since 1985 by her husband, James Nichols. So this discovery was made almost 30 years later. Yeah. But what makes this story even more scary is that the elderly man who died and left the house to the state was, you guessed it, James. He had killed his wife and sealed her body in his basement wall and continued to live in the home until he passed away from natural causes.
0: I don't know how nobody thought to look at this. James, like in particular, you know what I'm saying? And
1: maybe they did. And I mean, I wonder I wonder if they searched the house or originally, but if it if she was in the basement wall, I mean it's hard to find unless sure. you're renovating.
0: Yeah, as we said, it was a false wall, so Right. Yeah, easy to uh kind of cover up there.
1: And yeah, so creepy that it was behind a false wall. Like he was really trying to hide it, and that he kept living in that house knowing she was down there. I don't know why. I think because of the basement, it's giving me like Disturbia vibes.
0: Yeah, like you would imagine that this motherfucker was like probably haunted by his wife's ghost or something. Apparently not. Apparently not, I (laughs) guess. Because he lived
1: there forever until he died too. Yeah,
0: exactly. So our next story that we have for you was actually found by Daphne. And this will require a bit more of an open mind, but it is extremely terrifying nonetheless. It was published by Reddit user... Just a blip in time, a little over a year ago, and the title is There's Something in the Wall, and it goes like this. You aren't going to believe me. I know you aren't. No one believes me. I was almost admitted once, sectioned under the 136th Act, taken away and medicated. I think now that it might have been better if I had been. I managed to explain it all away, told them I was fine. And that my neighbor shouldn't have called a wellness check. But I wasn't fine. I will never be fine. Not now. Not now that it's taken control of everything. I haven't been fine. Anywhere close to fine since I heard it. It's been over a year. It will be longer. When I first heard it, I thought I was imagining things. Or that maybe my tinnitus was playing up. So I just ignored it. I don't think it liked being ignored. Sometimes I wonder if things would be better if I had just listened the first time, whether it wouldn't have destroyed me the way it has and the way that it will continue to do. I would say that I will hear it until I die, but now I'm sure that no one will notice my death. I'll just lie on the floor of my flat, and maybe once my flesh and cartilage has rotted and my ears are no longer there, maybe then I'll finally be rid of it. The second time I heard it, I thought a bird was stuck in the heating grate.
1: The flats used to be an old house and I'd heard about birds falling down the chimneys and getting stuck. So I unscrewed the gate and shined my phone light into the dusty cavity, listening with interest to the noise. I couldn't see anything in there, nothing to suggest a misplaced crow or a confused pigeon. So I shut the grate again, but the noise was insistent. It was like a scratching. Something clawing against the plaster. I couldn't decide then if I thought it wanted to come out or not. I know now. I don't think it can come out. I don't think it could survive. Or maybe it could. And this is just how it has fun. Pushing me to the edge until I'm a shivering wreck on my living room floor. Either way, the scratching went on for hours. Endless, ceaseless scratching. I couldn't place where it was coming from, just that it didn't seem to tire. Eventually, I watched TV with the volume on high, trying to drown it out. It worked, and after a while, the scratching stopped entirely. But like I said, I don't think it liked me ignoring it.
0: The third time I heard it, I was scared. It had been a week or so since the last time, and I contented myself with the idea that a mouse had gotten into the wall and had scrabbled around before dying, which, while disgusting, had pacified me. But when it started again, it was impossible to ignore. It moved through my flat faster than a mouse could, and it was higher, too, around my chest height, if I had to guess. I was terrified. The scratching wasn't consistent anymore, either. It changed depending on what I was doing. I could hear it when I moved, like nails dragging slowly across the other side of the wall. I could track its progress. It was then that I decided it was a hand. I never heard any footsteps, but the scratching was so loud and clear through the plaster that I could almost see its position. I called the police.
1: When they came, I told them to listen, expecting them to look in horror at the corner as I did when I heard it but they just asked me what they were meant to be listening to. When I told them, gesturing to where the noise was coming from, they looked at each other skeptically and asked if i had used any illicit substances. I shooed them away from my flat. The scratching lasted for two days. And when it ended, I was exhausted. I had barely slept, kept awake by the terror, hearing it pass by my bed, scratching above me. My work suffered. My relationship suffered. In those two days, I was so distracted I could barely hear a word my friends were saying. When I told them why, they just laughed. I felt like I was going insane. I even went and had my ears tested. I bought a carbon monoxide detector and when they brought back nothing, I started recording it. I had hoped when I first tried it that the recording would be quiet. At least then I'd have an answer. Auditory hallucinations, even then, seemed easier to deal with than the constant fear
0: and confusion. After the third recording, I stopped. It was somehow worse to hear played back. Maybe because it was playing over the top of the real thing, like two shovels burying me instead of one. After that, I rarely had a moment's reprieve. The scratching filled my flat all day and all night. I could hear the thing moving around, sometimes fast, almost running, sometimes slow and languorous. The only thing I have to go on is the scratching, no footsteps, no breathing. Once I considered the possibility of rats or insects, but it didn't make sense. The scratching was too coordinated, too deliberate. It went on for months. As exhausted as I was, I couldn't work, couldn't focus. I didn't have a difficult job, just numbers and spreadsheets. But I was miserable and constantly on edge. I couldn't meet with people, and slowly but surely my friends dropped away, leaving me alone. I spent all my time in my flat, stalked by that infernal noise. After a month, I had been fired. I had no job, no friends. I was trapped all day, every day, trapped almost inescapably with that thing that noise i wanted to leave but where would i have gone by now it was getting colder outside and i had no money and no friends i was fraught with fear and fatigue so getting another job was out of the question i didn't understand what was happening or why i thought it couldn't get worse i thought my life would only be this eternal scratching but it could It could get worse, and it did. My light was on. I distinctly
1: remember that my light was on and that I had not turned it off. I had no intention of turning it off. As I was sitting there on my floor, the lamp shining on the table, I heard the scratching. I hadn't heard it move down the wall before. It always had been at the same level. And so when I heard it descending down the wall towards the skirting board, my head snapped round to look so fast I almost gave myself whiplash. The scratching moved along the base of the wall, to the socket, and then started scratching its way along the wire. I was past fear by this point, driven almost to madness by it. And so I just listened wildly, hearing it get closer to the lamp. And then the bulb went out. It was like it couldn't keep its fingers still, scrabbling and scratching even as it moved back up the wire. But it had turned the light off.
0: That's where I am now. My flat is almost always dark, my curtains pulled shut during the day, and the lights scratched off at night. But I don't need light to know where it is. It scratches the pictures back and forth on the wall. It scratches my books off the shelves. I'm trapped, trapped in my own flat. It scratches the door locked. It scratches out my phone lines. It's like it stalks me, in the dark, in the cold round and round in the walls and the wires. It never sounds like two hands, just one, scratching around without rest or pause. I have no one and nothing but the scratching. I rarely sleep, I barely eat, not that I have much food left. I used to wonder about my rent, but now those things just seem useless, tiny little thoughts compared to the scratching. I swear it gets louder every day, but it doesn't get any harder. There isn't any more pressure behind it. It's just loud, piercing, like the pattern is being scratched into my scalp. I don't understand how I'm even being allowed to type. But you need to believe me. I know you won't. No one does. No one ever will. But I promise, there's something in the wall. Sounds like it's time to move. Yeah, I mean, like, I can understand how something like that would just drive you into complete madness. And it's not even like it's like something... Or it doesn't feel like it's that terrifying, but being in that situation where, oh, you're, yeah. where you're literally going insane.
1: Well, it would be if you were hearing that. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I <laughs> mean, yeah, could you imagine sure. hearing scratching in your wall and feeling like you know that it's fingernails and then making you believe that there's a person in your walls and you don't know how they're in
0: there or if it's like a spirit or a, a, a demon or I don't know, wherever you want to go with that. Time to grab the fucking sledgehammer and just start bashing holes in your wall like... Who cares at that point? If you're like going that mad, I would just be smashing holes in the wall, like trying to figure out what the hell is in there. Insanity. Crazy. So this next story was published on the very
1: popular internet spooky site, Creepypasta in 2014 by an anonymous author. And it's based around a London home. So the story starts similarly to the uh, Bretzius family story, but it gets much deeper than dead animals in the walls. Here it goes. We moved out of our last house a week ago, and I'm glad we did. It was definitely not safe there, especially for a man like me who has a young family to take care of. I think if I hadn't decided to get the hell out of there, I would have failed my family, and I would probably have lost them too, eventually.
0: I had no idea that you had such a young family.
1: I I am a man.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, uh, (laughs) there was nothing obviously wrong with the house, actually. I suppose it was just a regular detached family home in a suburban neighborhood. I think the first thing that struck me as off about it is the fact that all the houses on the street had been built sometime in the 1980s. The odd bit about that is the fact that nobody had actually lived there in almost three and a half decades. Nobody had ever lived in that house. But what could be wrong with that? It didn't ring any alarm bells apart from the normal sort, like does the electricity still work, and is the boiler outdated? On top of that, we had to check if there were any pests or squatters. Nope, nothing there. The house was well-built and hadn't let anything in, so it seemed, at least. Once we were settled in, we were actually very happy there. I think, although I find it hard to believe now, We wanted the house to be our home for a good long time. Bizarrely, it just felt so perfect and right when actually there was something very deeply inherently wrong about the place.
1: The tension began on one typical gray London morning. My wife was going to drop off our four-year-old boy at school, which usually takes about a half an hour. It was the oddest thing. As soon as she shut the door behind her and I was alone, I became aware of a feeling that I hadn't felt before. You could describe it as a feeling of being watched, but I think it was something else. A feeling of tension and discomfort arising from, well, nothing. Nothing at all happened. No creaks, no bumps, and no whispers. I had the heating on, it was December, and I was listening to classic FM on the radio. On first inspection, it appeared to be a comfortable, peaceful environment, ideal for sitting down and getting on with my work. But it wasn't. I felt sort of agitated. I suppose that it was just down to this being a new house that I had only slept in for a few nights and I got on with my work. Except I didn't. I couldn't settle down and concentrate. I found myself wandering around the house, walking slowly around every room, There were a few boxes of things that still needed to be unpacked and some rooms that were still quite bare. I refused to accept it, but a tiny part of my subconscious expected that there was an intruder in the house. I was in the room farthest away from my study, so I could just about hear box cello suite or whatever the heck was playing upstairs. I stayed at the window waiting for my wife to
0: turn up in her car. It was incredible how quickly the mood shifted as soon as my wife stepped into the house. As soon as I was no longer alone, the uncomfortable feeling lifted and I could actually feel the warmth of the central heating. And my tea with a tablespoon of honey in it actually tasted sweet. Even the rain clouds, which had started to drizzle outside, seemed friendlier. The next morning, I did the school run just as a little experiment. I was driving back when I got a call from my wife. I don't think she wanted anything in particular, apart from some company. Her tone was very casual. It almost sounded forced, and she was only asking when I would be back, but in a prolonged way, as if she wanted to keep the call as long as possible. I had some idea why she was calling. She was getting that feeling too. She probably felt it more, because women are more tuned into these subtleties in an environment. She didn't mention anything when I returned regarding the feeling, but through her smile, I could see that she was a tiny bit spooked. To be honest, it was nothing really, just a feeling that people get sometimes. The only odd things about it were that it happened when we were alone, and that it happened to both of us. Well, still, some places are just like that. A house that hasn't been lived in for decades might take time to warm to its new owners, I guess. The next
1: day, while my wife was out getting the groceries, I made a little discovery. The strange feeling grew more intense in certain parts of the house. In the upstairs bathroom, it was particularly strong, and there was a corridor that connected the dining room and the living room where it was also quite noticeable. The thing about these places is that they were the only parts of the house with mirrors in them. With time I came to hate those parts of the house and those mirrors. Nothing new happened for about a week. I just avoided being in the house by myself, and I noticed my wife did the same, although we never discussed the fact that we felt uncomfortable being alone. It was a new house. I mean, we didn't want to spoil our first days there with negativity. But a certain negativity hung about the place, nevertheless. It was not obvious, it was not intense but it was always there. It felt somewhat hostile, as if we were sharing the home with something, something that didn't like us being around.
0: I read up online while my wife wasn't looking that some places just have what they call negative energy. Apparently, this is a result of many things such as poor lighting, bad feng shui, and bad things that have happened in the past in the place. Ironically, we installed brand-new high-power light bulbs, my wife had a whole book on keeping good feng shui, and, as for the whole bad things happening in the past thing, nobody had ever lived in the house before. I mean, how could anything bad happen there if nobody had lived there before? At least our little boy didn't seem affected. He was playing just as happily as ever with his toys. A work overload had preoccupied me and his mother lately, so we didn't spend as much time with him as usual. He didn't seem to mind. He even managed to invent an imaginary friend to play with. There was this one night, however, when I came home from work late to find my son in bed and my wife waiting for me in the living room. As soon as I came through the front door, I was greeted with a thick, heavy presence. It gave me a bad feeling immediately. I knew at once that something was not right, and yet everything seemed fine. We ate dinner in front of the television, washed up, and then got ready for bed.
1: We both joined our son upstairs to sleep, and soon enough, we had both dozed off. Except, I was suddenly disturbed from my sleep. It was nothing unnatural. In fact, it was the very call of nature that woke me up. I needed to use the bathroom. Had to piss. I got up and put on my slippers and robe and it was absolutely freezing being a winter's night. But when I stepped into the bathroom, I was shocked by how cold it was. It was not safe how chilly it was in there. I looked at myself in the mirror for a bit, then sat on the toilet seat to do my business. That mirror was giving me a bad feeling. I kept imagining that I could see something moving around in the mirror, and yet, There was nobody else in the room but me, not even a fly or a bug. It happened at least three times. Then I got up, I washed my hands, and I just stared into the mirror for a while, just to make sure. It eventually made me uneasy, so I hurried back to bed and actually found myself hiding my face with a duvet. I think I saw something moving in the mirror again the next night, and the next... I think I even saw a face in the downstairs hallway mirror as I walked past, for a split second. Of course, I knew it was only my imagination, definitely just a side effect of all the negative energy in the place. It was getting more irritating than frightening. I decided to ring up one of those priests, those spiritual sorts who know how to brighten up places with negative energy in them.
0: She turned up while my son was at school, a frail old Japanese woman who must have been 80 years old at least. Her son dropped her off since she was very weak and unable to walk the distance. Anyway, she came in smiling faintly and telling us in broken English that she would just take a walk around the house to get used to it. I and my wife sat quietly in the living room. Personally, I don't think she was all too happy about the house being checked out by what she referred to as an exorcist. I showed her the web pages about clearing negative energy and she agreed with a sigh. After all, it was good feng shui to have your house cleared. The spiritual woman came downstairs after about 10 minutes. In spite of how bony and old she was, she made the place feel very secure and comfortable. I almost wanted her to stay with us so that we could be assured that we would have no negative energy. But something happened that made us wonder if it really was negative energies making our house the way it was. Anyway, she came into the living room and told us that she had burnt incense
1: in some of the rooms and that she was gonna go over to the rooms again just to clear out any remaining negativity. But then she suddenly went stiff and her quivering smile became a screwed up scowl and her watery eyes hardened. We thought she was having a stroke and reached for the telephone to call an ambulance. Turns out she was fine. She told us not to touch anything or move. We listened and watched dumbfounded as she rushed to the wall with impressive speed and pressed her ears against it. She whispered some words which we couldn't hear and she seemed to be receiving a reply as her expression changed and contorted. Whatever she was hearing, can't have been good because she gave a shriek and sprang away from the wall the room darkened noticeably like when a cloud covers the sun you no live in this house the old woman grabbed my wife by the shoulders and shook her firmly as she said this why not i asked as my wife was too taken aback to reply man in the walls she shrieked there is a man living in the walls bad man man in the walls
0: The old woman hurried through the hallway, and without even putting her shoes on, stepped outside of the house and urged us to come out with her. She called her son to pick her up with a little Nokia phone, and refused to step back inside, even though she needed to sit down because of her frailty. I brought a chair outside for her, and brought her shoes out too. We waited with her outside, and I can swear that when I went inside to fetch the chair, I was not the only one in that house. I cursed the old woman for making me so nervous. I was hearing whispers all over the house now. Her son picked her up and when he saw her in a nervous state, he gave me and my wife an unfriendly look before driving away. That had gone badly. We would have got mad at each other had it not been for what the old woman had said. Man in the walls. It was chilling to hear that, and the look of terror on the old woman's face convinced us that she was serious. But, being modern cosmopolitans, we just agreed after some conversation that she was doing that to frighten us, or that she was just some old batty lady. We didn't want to believe her bullshit. But the phrase stuck with me. Man in the walls. I even admit, I put my ear to the wall to see if I could hear anything. Nothing. We were more uneasy now than we had been before the spiritual had come. The tension gathered all day until bedtime and the house felt unnaturally dark. As I was slipping into bed, relieved that the day was over, a cry from my wife got me out of bed. She rushed into the bedroom with a look of utter horror on her face. Man in the mirror, she
1: screamed. Man man in the mirror. I had enough sense to realize that she was not talking about the Michael Jackson hit. She was genuinely terrified. Where? Bathroom. I saw it, I tell you. I believe you. I believe you. I had to believe her. I stormed into the bathroom and looked into the mirror. It was just a normal reflection. There was nothing there. I stood there for a while. Then I began to cry. What's wrong with this bloody place? I cried. Man in the wall? No, no, there isn't. My wife comforted me. It was my imagination, I'll bet you. It's just that damned old woman coming in here and telling us all this mumbo jumbo about men in the walls. It's, it's nothing, nothing at all then what the hell have I been seeing? This place, it feels wrong, just wrong. Oh, nothing, don't worry. There's nothing here, there can't be. Let's just get some sleep. That's what we need, sleep. I was too tired to carry on with this. I forced myself to believe that there was nothing funny going on. I didn't convince myself. We went to bed and I was about to turn out the light when my wife told me something that made me
0: shudder. You know, our son has been saying some weird things lately, she said. Like what? Well, it might just be a coincidence, but what the old woman said about a man in the walls, it seems to fit with something that Daniel has been talking about. Oh, really? I said. Do you know anything about his imaginary friend, she asked. I chuckled. Well, I know that Daniel spends an awful lot of time with it. What does he call it again? Wallman, she said. I realized just then the creepy connection. Wall man. Daniel's been saying things about his friend. He told me the other day that he's got a round face with black eyes and a big smile, and he's really thin so that he can fit into the wall. I found it cute at the time, but now, I don't know. I got the biggest chill I had got in a long time. Well, there's more. We were in the park, just me and him. Nobody else was there. I asked him if he wanted to invite Wallman for a picnic, and he said that he couldn't. He told me that Wallman is only in our house and never leaves. That one made me laugh a bit when he told it to me, but he gave me this serious, worried look and said, don't laugh, mummy. Wallman doesn't like you and daddy. He hates you. He says he only likes me. I shuddered and took a deep breath the air suddenly felt colder and more hostile. You know, I said to my wife after a period of silence, I really do think that we should move out. I don't know if it's just a bad feeling I get about this place or if maybe that old Japanese woman was right. This stuff is creeping me the hell out. I don't think I can sleep now. I don't feel safe. Nevertheless, we both managed to sleep
1: after a bit more conversation on where we could move to. I had dreams... They were mostly just plain random dreams, but one thing stuck out as different. I dreamt I came home to find the house empty. I called to see if anyone was home and turned on a few lights. I noticed very vividly that there was somebody standing in the living room. It was a man's figure, very lean and about the height of a child. He was facing away from me, I could tell, but the light wouldn't turn on in that room, so I couldn't see any more. I think he was naked. In my dream, I called out, Daniel? But I felt certain that this was not my son. I was scared of this figure in the living room. The dream ended there, and I woke up. I blamed all the weird events. They were affecting my sleep. I managed to
0: get some more shut-eye after that. No dreams this time. The next morning was a Saturday, so we had a bit of a lie-in. I'm getting the kettle on. How many sugars would you like? I asked my wife, before going downstairs to the kitchen to make some tea. But as I waited for the kettle to boil, a voice caught my attention. It was Daniel. He was raising his voice. I found him looking up at the mirror in the downstairs corridor, in a heated argument with somebody. No! If you don't say sorry, I won't be your friend anymore, he cried. Hello? Dan? Dan? You alright there, son? I called to him. He ignored me outright. No, 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 he shrieked at whoever he was speaking to, and I saw tears on his cheeks. I don't want to. You're not nice anymore. Go away. Go away, he began to screech. I don't want to go with you. I rushed along and lifted him up, carrying him away from the mirror. His mother came downstairs roused by the shouting. What's wrong, dear? she asked him. Wall man! Wallman wants me to live with him, in the wall. He wants to take me into the wall, but I told him I don't want to go. Oh God, I muttered, handing him to my wife, my voice shaking. I can't put up with this bullshit any longer. Wallman, where the heck are you? Come out, you bastard. I have
1: never spoken in front of my son like that before, but he didn't seem unsettled. He seemed glad that I was angry at his imaginary friend. My wife took him upstairs while I raged on for a bit. Right, I said when my wife came back downstairs. We've got to get rid of these goddamn mirrors. They're creeping the shit out of me. It's okay. It's fine. No, it's not fine. It can't be fine. It's like they're portals or something. Like there's evil coming straight out of them or some crazy shit like that. Okay, okay. We need to stay calm, she assured me. Let's just get some breakfast sorted and we'll see how things go. We had breakfast in silence, and after a while, it all seemed okay. And then something happened that was amazing. Nothing. Nothing at all. There wasn't even a weird feeling of anxiety anymore. It felt like a normal home should. Weirder still, the next day was fine too, and nothing dodgy took place overnight. We kept the mirrors. I hadn't been entirely serious about throwing them out. I had just been stressed out. Then a whole week went by, and it was Sunday again, without a single weird thing happening. Our house was beginning at last to feel like a home. We had less work, so we spent more time with Daniel, and he seemed to forget about his imaginary friend, which was actually a relief to us. That imaginary friend had seemed like something else. It seemed wrong to be coming from the imagination of a four-year-old. We thought everything was going to be fine. But then, something made us think twice. Yellow mold had started to grow in circular patches around the house. The patches were about the size of footballs, and they gave off a rotten smell. We decided to leave it be for a while, but the patches turned up suddenly in more places, and they were too ugly and stinky to stay. We called in a man to investigate and sort out the mold problem, and while he worked, the three of us paid a visit to my parents-in-law. We got a call from the man dealing with the mold at about 8 o'clock in the evening. He sounded troubled, and he told us to come home quickly. We were very agitated throughout the car journey, and when we saw policemen standing around our house, my wife looked as though she would cry. A tall, fat policeman
0: stopped us in our tracks as we made our way towards the front door. Stop right there, sir, he said. I highly doubt that you, and especially your wife, We'll want to see what's been found in your home. You ain't suspected, don't be afraid. But I tell you, mate, it's ghastly. He took off his hat and breathed out with disgust. Mummy, Daddy, what's happening? Daniel kept asking, but we just led him back to the car. I went back to the policeman, and the inspector came and told me I could come in. I went in to find that where the patches of mold had been, there were holes in the wall. Men in uniform and masks were carrying small objects and plastic bags out of my house. The mold specialist was sitting down with a cup of coffee on the sofa, his head in one hand. He seemed deeply troubled. I looked at him for a while and thought it might be better not to ask him what had happened. But I didn't need to. You ain't seen what you've had in your walls yet? He asked me, his eyes bloodshot. "'I ain't ever done a job like this one. "'Bloody shocking. "'What was in my walls?' I asked, my voice shaking. "'Tell me, please. I can't bear it anymore. "'Can't tell you myself, mate. Bloody shocking. "'Suddenly the world around me became a blur, "'and I collapsed on the ground. "'I came to at my parents-in-law's house again. "'Had that all been a dream? "'No. It was now two in the morning.' "'My son and wife were upstairs,' they told me. "'An inspector was waiting to speak to me. "'What happened, inspector? "'What was there in my house?' I asked, as patiently as I could. "'Now, don't take this the wrong way, sir. "'We're not accusing you of anything. "'The things we found date back to at least a decade, "'judging by the state that they're in. "'What did you find?' Then I was told, once I had promised to remain calm, that behind each of the 16 patches of mold, the bones of a small child had been found curled up inside the walls. The children were all between the ages of two and five, and were recognized as children who had gone missing in the area over the past 30 or so years. Now,
1: hearing that shook me about as much as it would shake anybody in my position— There was something else in the walls of that house, something evil, and had things happened differently, it might have taken my son into the wall like all those other children. I and my wife still haven't gotten over our experiences in that house, although our son seems to be indifferent to the whole thing. He never got told about the children in the walls, and hopefully he'll never ask so we won't have to tell him. He never mentions his imaginary friend Wallman, and he seems happy enough in our new home, as do all of us. I don't want to tempt fate or anything, but our new place seems just right. Nothing weird going on here. But one thing bugs me, and I don't think it'll ever stop bugging me as long as I live. I still don't know what the heck was in our house. I refer to it as Wallman because the name makes it seem less frightening, but I can't get over the fact that I have actually had contact with a paranormal entity. I'm guessing it's still there in that building. Fat chance anybody wants to buy that house now after the
0: discovery made the local headlines. There's one more thing. A few days after he made his dreadful discovery, the mold specialist arranged to meet me at my workplace. He seemed deeply disturbed and told me that he had something dead strange to show me. It was a picture that he had taken on his mobile phone on the day that he had been at our house. It was a picture of the mirror in the corridor. Although the quality was a little grainy, a face could be seen very clearly in the mirror. It just popped up at the bottom corner of the mirror, a white face with a wide, thin-lipped mouth and large black eyes. It had very clean, neat teeth. It didn't appear to have a nose or any hair, but perhaps it was just because of the quality of the image. It was grinning broadly, and its eyes were wide open. The picture was taken from an angle so that the photographer could not be seen, only the face and the rest of the room. But what scared me the most about the face was the fact that it was there, It was actually there, real photographic evidence of something paranormal that had been in our home all that time. Saw the bastard in the mirror, and I didn't know what the bloody heck it was, so I snapped a shot and ran out of the house, the man explained to me. He was visibly shaken.
1: Now, I'm not sure why he showed that to me. Perhaps he was frightened and just wanted to get it off his chest. Perhaps it was just fascinating or incredible to him. I don't care, really, because now that I've seen that photographic evidence, I won't stop thinking about it. I never truly actually believed in the paranormal until then, but now I'm open-minded. I say my prayers before going to bed every night. I've started being superstitious and avoiding creepy places and walking under ladders and everything. I only have one mirror in my house now, in the bathroom, and I avoid it like the plague. Not to mention that I practice methods designed to keep my house free of negative energies. My wife likes that. After all, it is good feng shui. And sometimes, only sometimes, when I'm alone at home and it's quiet, I press my ear to the wall and listen carefully. Then I look into my mirror for a while, just to make sure there isn't anything else in there. Perhaps you should give it a go, too. After all, some houses are strange and some houses have been there for a very long time. With enough time, I think things come into existence in empty places that shouldn't be allowed to exist. You may find that those walls that protect you from the elements every day are in fact home to something that you might need protection from. And as for mirrors, I guess they're like doors into the wall. They show you not only what's behind you, but what's behind them. Trust me, if you see any strange faces in the mirror, there's a possibility there could be something in your walls. Afraid? My advice,
0: just brush your teeth quickly. So, basically, there's a child murderer in the walls.
1: I am looking into a mirror right now, and I'm just really freaked out. Take
0: all your mirrors down. If you're listening to this episode, go take all your mirrors down right
1: now. That was a freaky story. Like, I got the chills multiple times. Oh God, that was so, so scary.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, just the fact that... I like that they call him Wallman because Wall it's, Man is, it's he really said fitting. It,
1: he said it wasn't a scary name. <laughs> I think that's a very
0: scary name. Wallman. Wallman. But
1: like when we first hear it, like that he calls the, the imaginary friend Wallman, like my heart dropped, you know? that's a. I mean, it's a scary name.
0: You know, Daniel reminds me of like the kid from The Shining or, uh, you know, Demian from uh, The Omen. Like, he's got, like, that, like, creepy little kid. Oh, yeah. There's always a creepy kid. There's you know? always got to be so mean, a creepy kid. I mean, it's not Daniel's kid. fault.
1: But this actually reminds me a lot of this book I read this year called The Whisper Man. Uh, oh. You didn't read it, obviously. but no. uh, But whoever out there has read it, you might see the connections as well. Just very, very creepy. it takes place in the UK as well. Definitely pick it up if you're looking for a scary book.
0: So, strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that not every dream home ends up being a dream, and sometimes they turn out to be a nightmare with walls filled with dead things. We also learned that it seems real cute when your kid starts talking about their imaginary friends. But if movies have taught me anything, it's that those imaginary friends oftentimes aren't that friendly, and maybe it's the wall man looking for its next victim. And lastly, we learned that you should always check your new home for false walls and figure out who lived there before you. Because people are weird and evil as shit sometimes, and you really never know what secrets lie in the walls.
1: Today's horror tip comes to us from the 2007 film Disturbia. If your neighbor's car matches the description of a serial killer's Don't automatically assume that you're jumping to conclusions because you might be right. You may find out that they truly are a serial killer hiding bodies all over their
0: house. Keep an eye out, people. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. It is
1: so fun to be back, and what a spooky, spooky episode to get started with.
0: And yeah, this is just the beginning. We've got a ton more episodes coming to you guys each Thursday, so look out for that.
1: Yes, and we have another episode that you guys can listen to. It is The Black Forest of Colorado. We just released that one as well. And then, of course, you can go back and binge the episodes that came out Two-ish years ago, but we have two new episodes, In the Walls and The Black Forest of Colorado. So check those out. And like Keith said, next Thursday, we'll have another spooky story for you.
0: Also, make sure that you guys go and follow us on our socials. Uh, We're on Instagram, at The Dark Parts Podcast. And we're also on Twitter, at The Dark Parts Pod. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. In the Dark Parts.